Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. The best thing about doing My Millennial Money is we've got listeners all over the world and we do these My Millennial Story episodes where we just catch up with listeners of the podcast. They share their story. I ask them some questions. We see if we can get into some trouble along the way. And today you're in for a treat. I'm talking with Ali. She's moved from Australia over to the UK and I know now that things are getting back to normal, airfares are starting to reduce, the world is opening up again. It is a goal for a lot of people to move to Europe after they finish university, if they're having a career or life breakdown, a bit of an escape, if you will. Maybe that was Ali, not sure, we'll find out. Uh, but today we are talking with Ali from the UK. We're answering your questions. She's telling her story. And we can't do our Thursday episodes without Global X. Did you know that in 2022, there were 43 new ETFs launched in Australia? You can read about what these funds are by downloading Global X's Australian ETFs landscape report. It covers what's been happening out there and it could help you be a better informed investor. Head to globalxetfs.com.au forward slash MMM to download your copy today. So remember, if you think about ETFs, you got to think about Global X. They support My Millennial Money. They help us bring this show to you. We love our show partners. Thank you so much, Global X. All right, well, let's get into it. All right, Ali, how long have you listened to My Millennial Money, the podcast? I think it started somewhere along the lines of the beginning of 2020. So basically the start of the pandemic on and off. Mm. And were you still living in Perth at the time or had you moved over to the UK? I was already uh, in the UK at the time. Right. How long have you been up there? Six and a half years. Wow. And talk to us, like what originally made you want to go to the UK and move there to start with? Tell us a little bit about what you were doing in Australia, what took you there? Um, I'm from Perth. So back in 2015, I did some traveling to the UK and to Europe, and I thought this was really good. And there was a couple of things happening in my life at the time. So I thought in the back of my mind, a working holiday visa could be an option. So I came obviously back to Perth, 2016 hit, and I a few things didn't go to plan. So I thought, oh, I'll apply for a working holiday visa. Got it. I uh, was meant to stay two years and stayed longer. Uh, the visa's two years. Right, right. What made you stay longer? You just love the weather or was there a love or <laughs> no, something like that? I uh, fell in love with a Welsh man who didn't want to leave, so I chose to stay. Wow. Yeah. Now, what would you tell someone uh, if they are planning a two-year stint in the UK, what would you tell someone like that you wish you'd known before you did that? Uh, I'd probably say be prepared for 
the fact of getting a bank account was really, really challenging. It was one of the hardest things to get. Um, I found work before I got a bank account. So essentially my pay was put on hold or I was sent checks in the post. So, wow. Uh, yeah. It took me two months to get a bank account. I didn't time it well in the sense of the school year starts in September here. So there was a lot of international students with the university. So trying to get an appointment with a bank was already challenging because of that. But then because I didn't have certain documentation and I was renting a room, proving where I lived was challenging. So I had to wait for government documentation to arrive. And even that sometimes was challenging in itself. And eventually I had to go to a few different banks and I got a bank account in the end, but it was, I was very much in tears towards the end. And I was very close to leaving because I thought if I can't get paid properly, how am I meant to live? Yes, I have savings, which you have to as part of the visa, mm. but the point is I want to work as well. Hence the term working holiday visa, but yeah, a bank account, do your research. Nowadays, there's lots of apps that people use. I think, is it, Monzo is one. Yes. Yeah. So I've met a couple of Aussies over the years, even just a few years later after 2016, who got the app one and they and that was a breeze for them. But in those two years, technology has changed. Mm. Nowadays, bank accounts, I'm fine. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Weather-wise as well, be prepared for the cold. Oh, the cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I sort of had an idea, but yeah, it's cold. Yeah, someone in the Facebook group when we put out this request of like questions to ask Ali, like moving to the UK, they wrote, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get asked that a lot. Yeah. A lot. And why do you stay? Mm. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about work. Elise Key in the Facebook group asked, how did you go about finding a job? Was it an industry you'd already had experience in or was it something fresh? And if so, how did you go about finding employment? Yeah. Uh, I'm not a professional. So my background is administration and retail. So I just went to TAFE at home. So once I arrived here, I went to recruitment agencies and handed my CV or emailed because it was 2016. Tech was a little bit not as intense as now. So I basically went to a whole bunch of recruitment agencies, either in the branches where I was living or online and submitted my CV focusing on my administration because that was my main background. But I also, being September when I arrived, it was leading into Christmas. There's a lot of Christmas casual work happening in the shops. So I walked around, handed in CVs, applied online for retail as well. Because obviously those skills with admin and retail, customer service, you can transfer. Um, It didn't take me long to find work. I arrived in September and by October I had work. So within three a month. But recruitment agencies are one of the best things um, that I would highly recommend. You could do your research beforehand or you could wait till you've arrived, have a wander around the city and just see how you go. If you know some people, connections always help, but I didn't really know anyone. So, mm-hmm. and, and would you say like speaking to the recruiter before you arrive, do you think it would be more of a, okay, I've booked my tickets, I've actually got my departure date. So then when you are talking to the recruiter, you can say, hey, I will be there on the 1st of August, ready to go, or just so it's actually rock solid. Yeah, I did that a little bit um, with some of the agencies. So I did a little bit of research in Perth before I came over, but a lot of them basically said, until you're here, we can't really do much, but do remind us when you're here. Thanks for reaching out. Okay, so you can like prime the pump a little bit. Yeah, because until you're there, that they're not going to believe you because you're so far away. 
Um, and they've got, you know, the, especially with temp work, I'm, I'm not sure if you know much about recruitment agencies, and I've only learned this through experience, is that jobs come and go very quickly. So they need someone within sometimes a day. So the fact that you're so far away until you turn up, and then they've got to do all the protocol and all the checks as well. But yeah, recruitment agencies are one of the best bets. Um, Facebook groups and another, there's a lot of um, ex, uh, expats or like Aussies just holidaying abroad is another option as well. Yeah. Now, what town are you in? I live in an area called Church Village, but the town that I come under is called Pontypridd. So it's a Welsh name. Yeah. Uh, or Ponty for short. Yeah. Sure. And- in terms of employment, particularly from what you're hearing on the ground, like in Australia, we're we're pretty much at full employment. Like it's really hard to get a job sometimes because you might put your CV in and there's been a hundred CVs. What's the vibe like on the ground where you are? I would say some industries are desperate for work and some are flooded. Right. Yeah, it really just depends. I know at the moment in my retail job, we're desperate in need of staff trying to find staff is challenging. The healthcare sector is calling out for staff. It, it just depends on the industry really. Mm. So there's probably no, I guess what I'm trying to think, like if someone's listening and they want to go to the UK, for example, they might just have to get the ball rolling, do some retail or something like that just to get yeah. the money in the door while they get settled. Yeah, I, I don't, I think as a working holiday visa, uh, especially on my first visa, I didn't struggle to find work. Um, I was very much looking for work, keeping my eye out. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say people would struggle at the moment. A lot of employers are looking for people. Yeah, I, I, I would say it, it would be easier to find work here than home because Brexit's had a massive impact for the UK. And yeah. a lot of people won't return, a lot of people from Europe won't come back because there's rules. And so now there's other um, internationals coming in, um, either for career moves or for holidays or working holidays and want to work. So there is, there's work if you really want to find it. Mm. And without you being the expert on all things in Europe, and you can speak to your <laughs> particular region, uh, what's accommodation and rentals and house prices like at the moment? Oh, that is an interesting question. Uh, I'd say there is a rental crisis here. I wouldn't say it's specifically where I am, but in the UK, there's a lot of trouble with people trying to find prop, uh, places to rent. It's basically a landlord's, they're, 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 they're in favour of this. They can charge what they want. Mm. There's people queuing out the door to get a spot to live. Um, the prices are skyrocketing. Lots of people have had to move back home because they can't afford the rent. Uh, interest rates have gone up, so it means that people who were saving for, say, a, a deposit or what, who were at very close buying a property, that could have been the breaking point. Um, house, housing prices here have definitely gone up a lot. Yeah. Yes. I'd say it would be a struggle. If you're renting a room, like through a, you might, not like a legit rental agreement, but just renting a room, you might be all right. And I was okay back then, but obviously the last few years, it's been a bit all over the place with you know, re rentals and properties. But yeah, you might struggle, but I would be persistent if you really want to visit. Ebony Ferrero in the Facebook group asked, just around this housing, when you first arrived and you had no rental history, like did you need to offer more times the monthly rent up front or 
how would you suggest, you know, if you were talking to someone and they were moving there for the first time looking for a rental, any hints or tips or tricks that you would say to have up their sleeve? Yeah. So with the visa, make sure you have way more than the savings that they recommend just because of um, you may not find work. You may not want to work as much. Um, costs, what you project could be very different to when you arrive. Your income is a lot less than home, but it's all relative to where you are. So my income is lower, but my expenses are lower, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but in the sense of renting a room, I did it privately. One of the websites I went to, I don't even know if they still exist, was mm. spareroom.co.uk, I think. And basically I just rented privately and I made sure that the owner was living there. So if anything went wrong, they would fix it, especially in winter. If the heating or the, you know, the hot water wasn't working, they lived there. So they would fix it because you could be weeks without this stuff. And I didn't want to risk that. And no, in the sense of like paying deposit or, and all that, no, I just paid what they asked. I, they, I explained I was on a working holiday visa. I had documents. Um, I was working. I was happy to show them all the evidence. Uh, in the big, the first place I lived, um, you know, I did a video chat with the person and she happened to hold the room. And I ended up, I obviously I paid her cash because I didn't have a bank account. And um, yeah, so she was like, wow, this is a lot of money. I was like, yeah, well, I don't have a bank account yet. <laughs> Um, so she also helped me out with a few other things, which was great at the time. Yeah, just make sure you have more, enough savings, do a bit of research. And I would say live with an owner and possibly do like a month-to-month rollover or maybe a couple of months. Don't sign a proper rental agreement or anything like that, especially hence the term working holiday visa because you're going to possibly travel. Mm-hmm. I was only meant to stay in Cardiff uh, for six months and head to Glasgow, but I didn't. So I moved around in Cardiff and, uh, but yeah, I just, I make sure that, you know, know what you're looking for, find a place that you can roughly afford, video chat with people before you move, if you can, um, ask for lots of photos and worst comes to worst, if you don't find a place to live before moving, because I wanted to make sure I had a place arriving here, you can always stay in a hostel or an Airbnb or, or just an old school B&B. So there just are to get options. settled. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I came over by myself as a 25-year-old young woman and sometimes I look back at myself going, oh, am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, you know, looking back at it, I'm like, oh, shit, this is, I've done all this. But at the time, I just did it because that was, I was in that situation. So I'm I'm happy most of the time with the decisions I made. Sometimes you make mistakes or you think something's going to turn out well and it doesn't, but you go through that process. But yeah, just yeah, talk to people, use your connections. Um, yeah. The amount that you needed in your bank account back then, was it ten thousand dollars that you had to prove in Australian? Something dollars? like that. Yeah. 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 I had a lot more. I had yeah. probably twenty to twenty five thousand dollars. Sure. But I, that's just like, you know, yeah. normal wisdom, like you don't want to live on the line if possible. Yeah. And you wanna be you know, as you said, things could change. You might get a short-term little rental. It could be crazy nut jobs and you're like, I'm out of there. See you later. That happened to me. Really? Tell us about that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the first lady I mentioned earlier, who was quite helpful at the beginning, um, when I was looking for rooms to rent, I wanted to make sure like they didn't have many pets or smoked 
I, I didn't have a problem with pets or smoking, but I knew that meant that the house may not be as clean. And I do mm. have a bit of OCD. And also it meant that with pets, you would have to possibly look after them and they're not your responsibility. Yep. And she was like, oh, yes, I smoke, but I'm giving up. Uh, yes, I have two cats. And when she filmed the house, like on video chat, uh, old school Skype, so, you know, it wasn't the best video. It was a bit grainy. But, yeah, a couple of weeks in, I realised she was an alcoholic and she started smoking again. When I say smoking, I'm talking about cigarettes. And UK homes are much smaller and the smell just itched into everything. I'd keep my bedroom door shut and open the window, but then her cat would come in and hide under my bed, which I didn't like because it wasn't my cat and not my responsibility. So in the end, I had to pack up and leave. I was there for two months. I stayed longer than I needed to because I was waiting for bank details to arrive in the post. And it was easier just to wait for this mail to arrive than leave and then tell the bank, oh, can you post it here? So in the end, I stayed at a hostel for a month and then I found another place to live, which was pristine as, and the lady happened to work for the Welsh police. So I was, you know, complete opposite. Yeah, wow, wow. Yeah, I, I was quite scared at the time because I wasn't exposed to any of that growing up. Yeah, and, and that's it. Like where we live and sleep and rest, that's like our security place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if your kind of bedrock of security is shaken – well, that can cause drama in the rest of your life. You won't sleep as well. You, you just can't relax, right? Um, yeah, I my skin was quite bad. I'd lost quite a bit of weight. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't in a very good spot. I told one of my employers at the time. Um, they seemed okay about it, but I don't think they really thought it was true. But uh, I, in the end, one of the colleagues I worked with said, oh, why don't you stay at a hostel? And I was like, oh, that's a brilliant idea. Because at the time I just thought, oh, I've got to find another room to rent. They're like, no, go to a hostel. You know, at least that way you've got people around you. You've got a bit of security with the staff, you know. Mm. And I went back to one that I stayed in back on the trip in 2015. Yeah, that's what I had to do. It was scary, but I got through it. So there was a question from Ruth in the group and she's going to be moving from Australia Mm -hmm. Do you still have an Australian bank account? Yes, I do. And do you just divert the mail to someone else's house that you know? <laughs> I divert. It goes to my folks. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. 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 Um, obviously, if you don't have that option, maybe a family member or a friend, like another mm. family member or a yeah. friend. I mean, you can always update the bank details to your new address. Mm. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the bank knowing your new address. I just like to keep them separate. And because I've got connections in Perth, it's just easier to leave it as it is. And do you hold much money in Australia or is all your financial life pretty much now in uh, the UK with you? Um, I'd say I have a fair amount of money at home. I've got my super, I've got savings, I've got a little bit of investment as in um, shares. Yep. But mostly, all in all, I try and focus on my life here. Um, the savings that I do have at home in the bank account have probably will end up getting used here in the long term for possibly buying a property or extending the house that I live in, things like that. I'm more focused on here permanently, but I do keep my savings at home at the moment just because I'm not fully sure 
of the future and I want to have a backup of that money. And because I've listened to some of your podcasts with other international listeners about having a pot of money at home. Mm. Yeah, I think it's wise just if yeah, if there was a, an emergency, you could come back down and have some cash ready yeah, to go. That's the biggest factor as mm. well. If you had to transfer a few hundred bucks or a thousand dollars up to where you are, how would yeah. you transfer that? I would just personally, I just do bank to bank. I mean, there's a lot of other options. I'd probably look, I could, if I needed to do it and I had the time, I would look into a few different options, but I'm thinking old school bank to bank transfer. I know the rate might not be the greatest, but then there may not be fees involved. So you've got to think about fees and the exchange rate and things like that. No, that's cool. So your day to day, how are you managing your money over there and how does your financial life look like in the UK? So I have obviously a current account and then I've got um, different savings accounts underneath that. So every week I have um, it all automated. So, so much money comes out of, I get paid with the recruitment agencies. They pay you every week, so a week in arrears. And then each week I have a certain amount of money come out of that and go into my various accounts. I've got like a gift account, holiday account, hair and beauty, I, uh, travel expenses, all broken down. And then uh, I've got an investing account and things like that um, and a pension. So I just have it all automated. And then every few months I review it. And then if I need to stop that for the moment or it's reached a certain amount, I leave it and then just that money goes somewhere else or it'll just stay in my current account just for general expenses. I've got two emergency funds as well. Um, I like being, I suppose, overly prepared. So one emergency fund is in Australia and one's in the UK or are they both up there? Both up here. Right. Yeah. I just I topped up my first one. I thought, oh, I've got a bit of extra money. I'll have another one. And it's so that it's like a, it's like a backup of a backup or just more of a like it's a random one, if that makes sense. I just call it two. Yeah. So why wouldn't you just put all the money and have one big one? Um, I think because at the time I wanted to keep my second job separate to the emergency fund. Right. So it was like extra income. So things that I sell. Or um, I do a lot of surveys, so I get money from that. Mm. Um, and then my extra money from other jobs. So it's like my main job goes into the emergency fund money, which is all fine at the moment. And then any extra income goes into my extra jobs account, which is like a second one. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, self-confessed bit of OCD. Um, yeah. Is that like clinical, I'm on medication, or just the social, I like things in order? Uh, probably the social side. Yeah. Um, it's more to do with uh, cleaning than anything. Yeah. So with your um, banking, are you one like your savings account and your emergency fund? They've got to be like even, like you can't have $1,152, like you have to have it even or are you? Oh, it, it doesn't bother me. No, okay. All right. Interesting. No. Interesting. As long as the money's there, I'm happy. All right. I have, yeah, I have it all separated just because it's easier to monitor and then I know exactly what's in that account. So in terms of, so you're a tax resident up there. Yep. So how do you do your tax return at the end of the financial year? Do you give them details of your Australian uh, interest and investment returns? No. No? So the it's called HMRC here. They actually do it for you. They don't, unlike the ATO where you have to submit the HMRC. That's right. It's pretty much all automatic, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, no, they um, have... I 
I don't know if this is the smartest thing to say, but they don't know anything about my savings at home or my shares or anything like that. Right. Uh, I just never told them. Uh, they've never asked. Yeah. Um, okay. And essentially, I was only meant to be here two years, but I've stayed a lot longer. Um, obviously, the ATO is aware of my savings and mm. things like that, because a long time ago, you had to declare your interest on bank accounts. So it's all interconnected through my gov. So uh, uh, is Australia or in the ATO, are they taking an automatic non-resident withholding out, are they? <sighs> I'm not too sure. I All have right. to we'll, check what my mind is. We'll move on from this murky area. <laughs> yeah. I have listened to that podcast. I am. I was halfway through it yesterday. The, oh, with James Ridley. Yeah. Atlas Wealth. I've heard of, I came across him ages ago, maybe because of you or someone else, but they're really good. Yeah, he's good. been on the show. Yeah. We'll take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about investing and what you're doing in that part of the world. We'll be back right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Radio Alley, you've got an investing account in Australia. Are you doing any investing other than retirement and pension in the UK? No. Okay. So given that it's your plan to be there longer term, you know, at what point will you stop the investing in Australia and bring it up and really put down your financial roots in the UK? I think it probably wouldn't start till next year at the earliest. At the moment, I just have a savings account that is for investing. Yeah. Um, at the end of this year, I have to renew my visa and move on to the next step, uh, which is called indefinite leave to remain. So my main focus, my husband, is um, those expenses. And they're a lot of money. So mm. we're putting money aside for that in another account. Um, and then in the meantime, I just keep an eye out for sustainable and ethical options, um, because that is very important to me. I don't want to just invest in a platform that doesn't agree with my values. So mm. at the moment, it's more about education and just keeping my eyes open and just putting money aside until I you know, feel comfortable and ready. Mm. I know the earlier you invest, obviously, the better. Um, but I am also aware that investing is for the long term. And it should be, for, well, from what I've been reading and hearing, 
you shouldn't touch the money for at least five years. Mm. Well, but I think that's smart. Like you've got to get this visa situation sorted and that yeah. can be thousands and thousands of dollars, right? So yeah, there's no point pulling the trigger on this big investing campaign and not factoring in that, oh, we actually will need some money for this visa and then having to sell down those investments to pay for other things. Yeah. What does your husband do for work? Uh, my husband's an aircraft engineer for GE Aviation. Oh, cool. Oh, I like the GE. So I've, <laughs> I've flown a few yeah. of them on the Dreamliner, pretty sure. Uh, well, yeah, he literally does the maintenance repairs and the, the big engines. He did an apprenticeship left school at 16, did an apprenticeship and has been there ever since. So Wow. And your relationship with him and money, how do you guys do money stuff? And I, I will say everyone, Ali, she really hasn't been warned about all these questions. And I thank you for your grace just telling me to get stuffed yeah. if you don't want me to ask anything. No, I'm, I'm more than happy. So how do you guys work together with um, joint family and you know financial goals? Yeah. So we both have a very similar money mindset um, in various ways. Um, it's obviously not 100%. Um, we're both good at managing money. So we don't have a joint account per se. So we both have current accounts that our money goes into. Um, and then obviously most of the expenses Tom will pay because it was already set up before I moved in with him. Yep. So I'll give you a little bit of a backstory. Oh, please do. Love a good backstory. <laughs> so before I met Tom, he had already bought the house that we live in. Um, and so he had a mortgage and all the relevant expenses that go with it. So uh, when we got engaged, I moved in and then basically we split the, all the bills down the middle um, and I pay him half. There's some other stuff that we take turns in, like with the food shopping bill. There's uh, a couple of other expenses in the house that I pay. I'm particularly with certain products because of my ethical sustainable values. So I'll pay for all that. But in general, when it comes down to the generic bills, it's half each. Um, it's just an automatic transfer each month that I pay into his account. And then all the deductions that he, have, he has set up via direct debit, he sorts out. Every few months, we he'll either tell me or I ask him, are the bills going up? Like obviously now um, April is the new financial year here. So obviously lots of things have gone up. Uh, so I've said to him, well, what's the new amount each month that I need to pay you? And he'll mm. just tally it up. Um, and then I just change the number on the transfer and set it up for the next few months and then we go through it again. And do you see that happening forevermore, amen? <laughs> I'm not too sure. Um, it's just a process that works for now. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously we've got other accounts, like we've got a visa account that we both transfer money in to do with the renewal of my visa. Uh, we had a travel account that we were putting money into, but once it got to a certain amount, we don't uh, top it up. It's still at a good amount at the moment. Eventually, it only topping up. Um, yeah, no, I think the process we have for now works. I'm not in the believer of joint accounts. I've heard a lot of horror stories about them. Um, and also, I want to make sure that my money is my money. I've worked for that, and he's worked for his money. And as much as we're a couple, we're also separate in a way. Mm, mm. Um, I've got wills in place. I've got power of attorney in place. And I've also got post up in place. So I'm very across the board on that. Yeah, wow. I really don't care what anyone else does with their money. It's just curious to hear how people do it. Yeah. And um, um, it's the whole like married thing, you know, what's yours is mine and mine is yours, except our money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that I was very, we both agreed on a post-nup. Yeah. Um, 
because, you know, if things did go bad, I wanted mm. to make sure that he kept his stuff and it, and I could go wherever I wanted and he couldn't touch my stuff. Yeah. Um, obviously it's never a hundred percent those documents, but it's a, at least a protection. We've got wills in place for here and WA. Yep. I've got a power of attorney for here and home as well. Yeah. Perfect. And that's what I mean. Like I, I just think, you know, I joke and, you know, when we talk about couples and money, any comments I make, I get crucified by people. Um, but honestly, I don't care how anyone does their money. It's wise that you've both had the discussion and it's wise that you're both agreeing with the setup. It's a different discussion yeah. if one person in the relationship is ruling the roost and the other one is just dragged along. Uh, so I think that's really good. Now, it's only us two listening, no one else, right? Okay. Does he know how much money you've got in Australia? Yeah, he does. Oh. Yeah. I wanted some good entertainment. <laughs> I wanted you to say, well, no, I hide I, everything but, from well, him. Well, <laughs> he doesn't know the exact amount. I Ooh. logged into my Beyond Bank. I'm not sponsored. Um, no, but uh, hey, if they want to sponsor the podcast, I'll take their money. <laughs> yeah, I've been with them for years. They're very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, the, yeah, no, I've got, well, I haven't chipped into my super for a very long mm. time because obviously I've had no need. I've got about $60,000 in my super. Which yeah, cool. It's all right, um, you know, especially since I haven't tapped into it since like 2015, really. Yeah, so for those playing at home, that superannuation basically stays in Ali's accumulation account until she reaches a condition of release, which is preservation age, age 60. Yeah, a long way away. <laughs> a long way away. And how yeah, is no, your- I know I, I know I can't touch that, so, mm. and it's kind of nice. How is your super invested and who's it with? Oh, from memory, Colonial First Date. Yep, yep, CFS, I, Colonial First Date, yeah. Yeah, so it was with someone else back in 2019 and then I decided to switch it over. Um, it's a h relatively high risk. I think it's 80, 20 or 90, 10. Yeah, cool. Um, so I've got it in one of the higher risk ones. I haven't touched it for ages. Um, I'm not really focusing on that because it's one that I can't really do anything with until later on. But I know it's important to monitor it over the years because you can take advantage of that mm. extra money coming in. And obviously, because I'm younger, I have more time for risk. Totally. Holly in the group asks, do you have any other financial tips for starting a new life or any other general tips. And she said, what should I be doing with my money in my Australian bank account when I'm gone? Should she invest it, leave it sitting there? I, I think that even after six and a half years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, questions and, still flow through your mind. What should I but, do? And that's the thing. It's like, as an individual, whether we're living in UK or Australia, right? We need emergency funds and we not mm -hmm. need not to be living on, living on the line. So, yeah. You've got cash in Australia, a bit of an emergency fund here. You've got emergency funds in the UK. That's all good. But the question is, well, what do we do next? Because we, we don't want just cash building up, building up, building up. So it's yeah. like, okay, we're going to get the visa done. Tick. And is another property or a different property on the cards for uh, you and your husband? Um, not at the moment. I think my husband's just focused on paying his mortgage off. Mm. Okay. Here's a question. You've referred to the house, you know, your husband's mortgage, your money's your money, his money, his money. Yeah. If he falls off the perch, what's the agreement? 
Do you mean actually I know I can dies? have some fun with you. Yeah, I know I can have some fun. Yeah, I wasn't with you. sure if you meant as in stops working or actually dies. No, if he if he carks it. Yeah. What's the agreement? Can you live in that house as long as you want, or do you inherit it? I think with the will, because we've got that in place. Yep. And also because we're married. Mm. Um, I, as far as I know, yes, I do get the house. Um, obviously, if there's a mortgage attached to it at the time. That has to be dealt with. Got, my husband's got savings, so and I've got savings, so I would, depending on my situation, mm. I could just just keep paying it off, or I could sell the house, give the bank mm. the portion that they need, and then find somewhere else. Yeah, I, obviously, that hasn't fully crossed my mind. I am aware that it can happen, mm. um, but that's why I've got these documents in place, so I am a bit more protected. Mm. And obviously, being married, you know, that helps as well because there's that documentation there um you know but here's a weird question and it's wild so go with me like you've been up there six years do you refer to australia as home or is their home now no i when i talk about australia i still refer to as back home yeah um but i do consider my home here Mm. um because i've spent six and a half years over here Whenever I go home, I, I, I'm in for a shock. I forget how much Perth has changed. Mm. I go back thinking I'm still 25, but mm. I'm not. I'm 31, and I've been back twice since I've been over here, thanks pandemic. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's an emotional question, but yeah, I do mm. refer here as home. But when I talk about my home country, I say back home. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I guess for those who have lived and moved overseas, it's just always going to be that thing. It's funny because I've got good friends who live in the States and um, my friend Simon, he actually died and he's now buried in the States and, you know, his wife, she's still living there and she's like, well, this is my home now. So I'm like, I don't want to uproot my life again and move back home, quote unquote. So I think it's just probably always going to be that thing in your mind and emotions, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, you know, it does cross my mind sometimes. What happens if Tom dies? Do Mm. I choose to stay here or Mm. do I go back home? If we end up having a family um, and children, do I stay here because they've got everything they need? Or depending Mm. on their age, is it easier to uproot and me go home? Mm. You know, my support network here is small, but I do have decent people in that support network. So I know that things if things did happen I would be looked after and cared for because Mm. you know it's important to have those humans in your life um and I think maybe it would be easier for me to stay here than go home you'd have to start all over again Mm. um Mm. but also there's that excitement of going home because it's also a comfort blanket because I know when I go home even on holiday I know how things work I don't I don't have to think so much because you default back into that mind. For me, I default back into a certain mindset. I know what certain things are. I know where to go mm. because it stays with you to an extent. Mm. I mean, for you, the really good thing is that London to Perth flight. Like you literally <laughs> Yeah, I home. haven't done it. I haven't done it. It has crossed my mind. Yeah, um, gosh. But the money, it is quite costly to do. Um, but... I also like the idea of a a, trans, a transfer stop just to stretch my legs. Yeah, absolutely. And just get off the plane. I am quite a sensitive flyer, so I have to 
be well prepared. And I've had a lot of trouble with one of my ears, so I've got to prepare. Yeah. So just, you know, some of the minor details, you know, leaving Australia, like what did you do with stuff like your driver's license and Medicare cards and all that stuff? I took that all with me from memory. I have a purse, which is my Aussie purse. So for when I come home, it comes with me on my travels. So I renew my dri- my WA driver's license every time it's up for a renewal. So I did that this year. For WA, it's every one year or every five years. So I did that and I asked them to post it to me instead of yeah. my folks address. So I've got it here. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. I had to update the photo as well. So that was mm. slightly complicated. I had to post the photo to them with the form because obviously wow. I can't go into the center, can I? <laughs> Far out. In New South Wales, they it's, it's like you need a 15 point check to get into a service New South Wales office. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> yeah. My husband was like, can't you just submit it online? I was like, no, <laughs> slightly different here with uh, driver's license. Yeah. And uh, in the UK, you have your license for 10 years before you need to renew it. Yeah, my, my New South Wales one, I've just done it for 10 years, which was very yeah. depressing. Um, <laughs> no, five years in WA, mm, but anyway. Mm. Um, Medicare card, I think that is due up for renewal, so I'll be keeping an eye out for that in the post. That's, again, connected to your MyGov account, so I think that's for my folks' address. Um, just checking your bank cards, making sure that they're valid. If they're not, telling the bank. Um, one thing really important thing I did was I told the bank I was going overseas. So they were aware that if I did use my card, that it wasn't stolen. Fraud. Yeah. Yeah. And every time I go home, so later this year, I'll be heading home for Christmas. So I'll send them an online message and say, I'm going to be in Oz for these dates. So then they'll put it on their system because it doesn't get used very often. Mm. They don't block it or anything like that. And what about electoral roll, state and federal? Did you have to notify the electoral department? So in the beginning, I didn't because I was only meant to be away for two years. So my mum at the time would uh, message me saying, oh, there's an election on, make sure you fill in this form so I don't get fined. So I'd always fill in the form, either for state or federal. And then eventually, a couple of years ago, I made the decision to take my name off the electoral roll. You just go online, fill in the details, and that was it. Yeah, no, I think they asked why, and I just said I live overseas. Technically, I can vote. I could do postal or I could head to London. Uh, But my home is here. I don't really, I don't live in Australia, so I don't see the point in my vote meaning anything. I, I don't know what it's like to be in WA anymore Mm. or Australia as a whole. So I don't see the point in voting. Yeah. So what's next for you and your husband? Like what do you guys dream about, talk about, fight about? Uh, Tell us all the goss. (laughs) Uh, Well, the biggest thing is my visa at the end of the year. Yeah. That's exciting and anxious. Mm. Um, And then I think once we've got that sorted, I suppose we want to do some more traveling next year. We both love Japan, so we're looking at that. Uh, Canada is possibly on the cards as well. Um, I'd like another trip home next year. I want to try and get home every year, Mm. but I don't know how often that will happen. Will your husband come down with you at Christmas time? Yes, he will, but he'll come later. So I Yeah, you don't want to hang out with the in-laws too much, I guess, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have to admit I've got better in-laws than he does. 
I'm a, I'm in the winning situation here. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. So yeah, some travel visa, sort that out, do some more traveling. Mm. And what are you what are you thinking with your career? Are you like you said now that you could have a lady of leisure? <laughs> yeah. So I call myself a job hopper. I'm not a professional. I'm not career orientated at all. Mm. I just like moving around, doing my own thing. I think that's why I like the idea of a working holiday visa. Um, yeah. So my job ended last month, my admin job. It was a, it ended up being 10 months of contract, but it was actually only meant to be six. So I've got a lot of family visiting at the moment in the next coming months. I've actually got my auntie and grandma arriving today. So I'm oh, heading wow. to Heathrow later, literally, yeah. So How, um, how long's the drive down to Heathrow from you? Oh, I'm not driving. I'm getting the coach. Yeah. Uh, so from Cardiff, this one is about three hours, Jeez. the coach there. So you're doing a three-hour coach to the airport, picking them up and jumping in the coach again? No, we're staying at the hotel. Oh, good. Overnight. Yeah, they don't land till 8.30. Oh, cool, cool, cool. No. If you want to drive to Heathrow, it's probably about two hours, but mm. again, depends on traffic. Um, yeah, no, I'm a lady of leisure because I put the means and measures in place with my finances. Mm. I knew for many months that 2023 was a year of I want to take some time off. Obviously, I spoke to, obviously told my husband about it all. He's like, yeah, do what you want. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, you know, he's like, as long as you uh, can afford your Daily, daily life, uh, that's all that matters. Um, and it works How do out I really get a well. husband like that? <laughs> you know, he is quite funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it just works out well. My contract ended in March. I got my auntie and grandma here. Then um, we're off to Newquay with them in May. My dad's coming in July. Uh, I got home for Christmas. So, yeah, I've got a lot happening. So, um, yeah, I, I work in retail on a casual basis as well. Mm. So I'm not doing full-time work. I'm on a casual basis. So I will be – I do Saturdays. So I'll be picking up some extra hours there. And I might go back to some admin temp work again. But for the time being, I just want to take some time off. But I'm – in the sense of money, I had my emergency fund set up and I just put some extra money aside because I knew what expenses I had coming up. Mm. And – I've just got my daily account that I use. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all sorted from that side. Awesome. Well, time has flown by. Is there anything else that you want to get off your chest or tell everyone or say or anything that was on your mind that maybe you didn't get a chance to say? Um, yeah, I'd like to say that if you are thinking of a working holiday visa, I suggest you do it. You never know where it'll take you. Um, Might find a Welsh husband. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, you can do more than one if you wanted to. Like, I like obviously the UK has one. It's only valid for once. Mm. Uh, you can't, like, reapply per se for, like, another one. Um, but there's other countries that do it. So if you like one, maybe do another one because that was my idea. But my plans mm. changed. So, you know, and I think a lot of the countries have extended it from 30 to 35. So do check that as well. I'm too old for this crap now. I'm screwed. Well, Ali, thanks so much for listening to our podcast and, you know, having a bit of a chin wag with me. I hope this has been a bit of a sit back and have a listen to a chat for everyone. And yeah, I think if you are keen to leave the island here and go and do something, just do it. Ali's done it and she ended up moving there and found a husband. So anything is possible. Isn't that right? For sure. You got to jump at it, essentially. Well, Ali, 
thank you so much for having a chat with me today and joining us on My Millennial Money. You're welcome. It was great chatting to you. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.